0: up, everybody. It is Dre Pale here on behalf of HamiltonMusician.com, here with a very special guest, publicist, SiriusXM host, Billboard Magazines, best on Twitter, a long list of credentials here with Mr. Eric Alper. Eric, how's it going, man? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing very good, trying good. to stay warm after this last blast of winter.
1: Uh, you won't be able to achieve that goal,
0: so you might
1: as well just <laughs> forget about it. And... Um... Get used to minus 12.
0: Yeah, welcome to Canada. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: But you know what? Let's get right into some questions. I'm really excited to be talking to you. Um, first off, I want to know about uh, your opinion on the current state of the music industry. Um, what is your opinion on the pop-dominated kind of mainstream we have going on right now? And do you so foresee a change in the way that things are going? Is Is, is there even a need for one?
1: Um, well, you you know what, it's funny, because where there seems to be a lot of doom and gloom when it comes to the music industry in the last little bit. The fact is, though, that, you know, they've got a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel, finally, I think, for where things are are going. Um, You know, the the Canadian album sales are just, um, you know, they're about 12% down so far this year, based on year to year, and the biggest problem... Is the sale of digital albums, that's actually dropping by about 26% so far this year. Vinyl is up 7%, which is nice, but I still think that, you know, where 7% sounds like a really great number. The fact is though that it's not going to, you know, do a huge amount of business still, even at $40 for each of the the vinyl records that you can find at the record stores um but where where the music industry seems to be succeeding very very well is is generating um, their revenue is uh almost at about 99% um in terms of the on demand audio streams that's your spotify's your um google apple music and things like that so i i think the more that people get on the one or two formats that are available um, which is going to be on demand streams and whether it's free subscriptions or paid subscriptions to these downloading sites and streaming sites i think that the music industry will start to see a little bit more of a of an uptick where they start to focus less on people who want to own physical copies of their cd's or vinyl and uh concentrate can, can continue to concentrate more um on a new generation that doesn't want to own anything. They don't want to own a car. They don't want to own their home. They don't want to own much. They don't want to own their books. They certainly don't want to own their music. So um it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years what happens with that.
0: What about the actual diversity in the music? I saw you you tweeted the last few days about the Beatles and the fact that she loves you and tomorrow mm-hmm. never knows where only about two years apart, which is insane. In your opinion, do you think, like, the industry today even allows for such a drastic change in style in such a short amount of time for an artist? Will we see another Beatles-type evolution of music?
1: It's almost two different questions. Um, Will we see another Beatles? No. Because I think there's so much diversion and there's so much separation between what we all as music fans and as consumers want to buy at the same time. In the early 60s, you had only a handful of radio stations available. You had a handful of television stations that was available. Um, And even though that you had various record labels around Canada and the US and the UK that were distributing music, there were a lot more regional hits. Back then that people didn't know about you could be you could be selling forty or fifty thousand copies in st louis and in Cincinnati. you would have no idea what song that was unless you heard about it on the radio now there's the ability that you can listen to forty five million songs at your fingertips and so I think things are a little bit more um more more heavy topped, which is that. When people have all sorts of different choices to choose from, people will tend to go and find their own niche and their own community to listen to and to hang out with. So you won't have 73 million people all watching the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show or the Rolling Stones getting 40 million or... 25 to 40 million people, depending on what you read, all buying Michael Jackson's Thriller, because that's what America was listening to. Now, even with as big as Adele is and as big as Taylor Swift is, they haven't sold more than 10 million copies. Um, That's in terms of physical, in terms of streaming, um, but certainly it's going to be a lot harder to gather up everybody's attention span for longer than four minutes because if you're a label right now, you're probably working with a band. You're releasing a video on a Monday. By Thursday, it's already forgotten about. By Friday, your fans want something new after they finish sharing or looking at it based on a tweet or a post that they saw on Twitter or Facebook. So it's it's a little bit more difficult to round up everybody all at the same time. Will, can a band go from, like, She Loves You to, to Tomorrow Never Knows? I think it's going to be really difficult Because I think everything was just so new. So chances are if you're writing pop songs and you suddenly take acid and you start making things a little bit more colorful and you have an amazing producer like a George Martin that allows you to be really funky and have a lot of fun in the studio and try different things that people haven't tried before, which is next to impossible to find any kind of new ideas anyway. Even if you had all of that, There's no way in hell that a major label would let you release what you released, provided that you were already a pop star two years ago. So can Katy Perry put out a prog rock album? Absolutely not. There's no way she's going to be able to do that.
0: Do you think that this inability to kind of pay attention, like you were saying, for a long period of time, do you think that that's maybe one of the main causes for the way, for example, in Toronto, we're seeing the multiple closures of live venues and stuff like that. And also, how do you how do you think that this is going to affect like rising artists with the less venues to perform at?
1: Yeah, I I think with the with the uptick that social media and music streaming services have have brought to fans, it allows them to have access to way more music than they ever had, even dreamed possible and with youtube allowing people to watch whatever videos they want and concerts however many times they want to from shows that were around the world whether it was yesterday or whether it was 40 years ago i think that has something to do with the fact of why a new generation of music lovers don't want to go out anymore um and if they do want to go out they may not want to see a band live the um you know what what they're kind of listening to for the most part, if you're a pop music fan, it not found in the clubs. It's found at the Arcanda Center. It's found at the Rogers Center. It's found at Massey Hall. It's found at the bigger venues that are a little bit more stable. But when you have artists like Katy Perry and the Chainsmokers and The Weeknd and Drake and Rihanna and all of these like massive, massive artists selling out stadiums, they're not really doing anything other than just kind of recreating the album in some senses. And it's exactly what the fans want. So when you're Justin Bieber, you don't want him to to go anything different. So it leaves a little bit of of an opening for the clubs to be able to say, okay, well, let's find those up-and-coming artists. Well, the fact is, though, that those up-and-coming artists can't usually draw anyway. They never could. It's why they're up-and-coming. It's why they play for the door. It's why usually they suck until they get better. And so there's a little bit of a different mentality going on now where sometimes the bands don't have to practice 10,000 hours, like Malcolm Gladwell, the author, will say you need to do in order to become an expert in your field or a master at your instrument. You can just create an amazing video and get it up on YouTube and never have to tour if you don't want to, or you can be like, say, OK Go, for instance, and... Go immediately to mid-sized venues based on the popularity of the videos that you're creating. And there are great band live, don't get me wrong, but there's no there's there's little respect, I think, for the touring from coast to coast if you are a rock band these days. I think it's really difficult to do. I think there's not a lot of money in it, and but there never was. Um, but I think where if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to practice, if you don't want to chore, if you don't want to look in the audience eyes one by one, if you don't want to make your fan base one by one, there's ways that you can go about and become a success. And 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. So I think there's more opportunity and there's more options for artists to become successful. And I think that's where you start to see it in the clubs.
0: When. When up-and-coming artists are executing with social media, like, for example, yourself, with such a large following, it's not a big deal to post multiple times a day. But for someone with, let's say, you have a 1,000 to 2,000 followers, is there a point where it's like, okay, now if you're posting too much, it's going to annoy the followers? What I'm basically asking is, does the amount of followers affect how often you should post?
1: Um, not at all. Um, we're, we're kind of at what I've realized that it doesn't really matter if you have 10 followers or if you have a hundred thousand or if you have a million, it all depends on where you're posting. Um, Facebook's algorithm is now so much that they want you to basically buy ads, either, um, straight advertising, or they want you to pay for boosting a post. There used to be a really great line that somebody said a number of years ago that if the product is free, um, if if the if the thing that you're using is free, you are the product, meaning that on Facebook, you can't complain anymore that you're not reaching all of your fans because Facebook won't allow you to because they finally want to make money on advertising. It was free, you know there was no rule that said that they had to do this, so whether you have a ten fans or a hundred fans or a million fans on Facebook, for instance, Facebook will not allow you to see. Or Facebook will not allow your post to be seen by all your fan base at once. So if you want to do that, you have to post a bunch of times. You have to post at different times at 9 o'clock in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon and 7 o'clock at night, depending on where your fan base is based on the time zone. Are they younger? Are they in school? Do they normally work during the day and therefore they work at occupations that won't allow a little bit of cheating here and there for them to go check Facebook? Um, On Twitter, because we're all kind of following more than 100 people or 200 people at one time as opposed to five years ago, six years ago when we were following a dozen people, if you post at 12 o'clock, by 12.02, it's pretty much off of everybody's stream. So it's okay to post um, a bunch of times. When you're on Instagram, their their algorithm is a little bit different where the posts get a little bit more stickier. And um because it's visual, it allows more of a storytelling ability. So it's not so much on how many fans you have, but where where you're actually posting. I have never had anybody in all of the years that I've been posting I, I've actually I think I've had one person in my entire life tell me to my face that I post too much. Um and that was completely irrelevant in my life. It was like I don't care. Like I just I just don't care. Like I'm not here for your entertainment, I'm here for mine, you know um and if i if I have ten followers on Twitter or if I have a million, I'm still posting fifty two times a day because it's the only way that I can get all this stuff out of my brain, so the amount of audience that a band has shouldn't matter to them how often they're posting. they should just be posting correctly rather than come and see our gig, come and watch our video, come and buy our album. That kind of stuff will turn off anybody if they see
0: it more than once or twice anyway. So lastly, just before we go, I'm I'm super curious about your meaning of of exactly what success is. I I like to ask a lot of guests what they define success as just because it's so subjective and some people Mm -hmm. need certain things, some people need to feel certain feelings. Was there a point where you were like, well, okay, like I feel like I've I've had some success or is it something you're still chasing? Yeah. The day after I
1: graduated university, I started a record label and I signed one of my friend's bands and then we turned it into a booking agent and then a record label. And then we started a PR company on the back of that. And then we dropped everything and kept the PR company. Every single day since the day I graduated university back in 1992 has been a successful day for me because I get to do this for a living. It's not a job for me. I get to work in the music industry for 20 years, 22 years, 25 years, however long that I can officially kind of make my start date. Um, And so it's not, as long as I have enough money in the bank to pay for the house, and that I don't go starving, and I get to you know, go buy the, the the band t-shirt that I want every now and again, I'm good. I don't need a million records. I don't need, you know, first editions of books. I don't need to have successful mind-blowing artists. I don't need to have gold albums on the wall. I had that. I have it. I don't, you can take it all the way tomorrow. As long as I continue to work in the music industry, doing what I love to do, which is PR, and working artists that I love, and I have a voice, and I love their music, and I love them as people, and I think that they deserve to be heard, then that's a successful day for me. And if I accumulate enough of them, one day when my heart stops, I'm going to look back and be able to say, wow, I didn't get to do a single day that I didn't want to do.
0: Awesome, man. Well, honestly, Eric, thanks so much for taking your time out of your day uh, to come and speak with me. It, It really means a lot.
1: Oh, happy to do it, man. Great talking to you. Keep up the great work of what you're doing as well.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you so much. And if you're listening to this, please check out Eric on social media at that Eric Alper and that EricAlper.com. Uh, thanks again, and I wish you the best, man.
1: You too. Excellent, man. We'll talk soon.